Welcome back to the Charles Little Podcast. Second recording of the week, ready to go. Obviously, football is in the air. It's a little cooler. Uh, sundresses are back on campuses, especially for those down south. Uh, those people with bow ties, sweaters, you know, things are getting rolling and swoops, which I can't wait to see. Uh, obviously, in the stands, come 2.30 Central Time, 3.30 Eastern, uh, for those folks in the south on CBS. Charles, what is going on, man? College football, we're here. As they say back home, man, it's football time in Tennessee. Um, good times, man. I went to my went to my first high school game last Friday. Got got the juices flowing. Oh man, ready to go, man. That Miami game did not got the, that got my juices back down because it was such a bad game with that fourth half. <laughs> Perfect, absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. Uh, you know, I, I love a good big play, a good you know hundred hundred yard kick return, and you know four overtime game. You know, so anything can happen, man. It, it's as much as I say anything can happen, you know, the upset will happen here and there, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to come down to the blue bloods like it always does. So, um, just waiting to, waiting to see, man, waiting to, waiting to see what the season's got for us. Okay. Well, without further ado, obviously we want to make sure is that when it comes to college football, it's, uh, we folks say it's a regional sport. I would say that it's not because it's all about what region that you care about. And we have two folks here who are very connected uh, to their, well, I would say that, are very connected to their teams, and this is not just who they root for. It's a way of life, and it's built up to that week, and I'm so excited because neither one of them could be down on their team. Neither one of them could be very high on their team. It is my pleasure to welcome uh, Sutton Smith and Jesse Tumlin, actually, back to the Charles Little Podcast. What's up, fellas? Hi. Thanks for having me, man. Great yeah. to be here. Great. Great. Uh, without further ado, obviously, with Charles, um, if you want to let people know, you just mentioned about uh, your nephews and you already went to a high school football game this past Friday. High school football started in Indiana as well. For those folks uh, new to the pod, Jesse is also a native Tennessean. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. So, uh, Charles, give us a little breakdown about uh, high school football this weekend and then uh, on the gridiron. Uh, I mean, there was a little up and down. Uh, that was their, that was one of my – so I have two twin nephews that are, that are playing. Um, one of them, that was his first varsity game ever. Uh, he broke the school record. He had a 98-yard kick return. Uh, my my other nephew, who was the starting quarterback, he played a little bit his freshman year, but because he transferred last year, he had to sit out. He had uh, two long touchdown runs. Um, they played well in, in, in spurts. They uh, they combined for, for three turnovers. Um, Got to cut those down, and they lost the game by seven. So the main thing, you know, going forward is just, you know, I told my nephew, if he's the quarterback and you lose by seven, you had three turnovers, you got to – cut those down those fall on you so i mean it's definitely good to get out there and see my boys run around um get the juices flowing and, and i was i was out there nervous as hell i hadn't been that nervous at watching a sporting event in a long time mm. where do they play charles uh so we i'm from cleveland right outside of, uh right outside of chattanooga and they go yeah, to yeah. brad they go to bradley got it i'm from so oh boo I, 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 probably, I, probably, I, I will say though, Franklin is the best part of Nashville, even though it's not technically Nashville. Uh, it's getting worse and worse, but yeah, I, I probably <laughs> know more. I probably know more about the, the power ranking of bands across the state than I do about football programs. But uh, doesn't Walker Valley have the best band in the in the state? That's what I heard. Mm, <coughs> it's a crowded field. We've actually got a lot of good programs. <laughs> we've, we've been competitive. We've been competitive nationally for like the past five yeah. years. But that's there are not way, what this podcast. Yeah, there are way too many schools in Tennessee, people out there that are not from Tennessee, that are way too competitive about it. <laughs> right. 
I love. I am it. not prepared for a high school band podcast. Neither am I. Neither am I. The drum majors, guys. No. Man, yeah, yeah, majorettes, guards, it's all there. One day we're gonna have to get into. How do they scout those guys? Are they are they scouts? <laughs> so I so just a brief aside. I was recruited by Alabama to play drums, and I was brought to campus on a recruiting visit. I was given free admission to Alabama LSU. Um, wow. And it ultimately came down to like my family was going to disown me if I went to Alabama, but the scholarship was there and band recruiting does happen. It's a thing. It's not a crazy thing, but it's crazier than normals think it is. Okay. I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out if like the, uh, the Ohio state, like, uh, the Ohio state guy who runs the band is like, the moment I saw you, I knew you could dot that. eye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Charles, for that great aside with you and Jesse walking down, uh, Jesse, really, they would have disowned you? Uh, it would have been a thing. <laughs> Holidays would have been weird. <laughs> would, Jesse, would you have become like a legit Tide fan? No, I you would have just done it. kept them separate. It, it would have been a job. Interesting. A business, a business decision. <laughs> Did Nikki T have any uh, say in here? She may have. Oh, okay. She's a year old. She's a year older than she was already enrolled. So. Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, just getting together on the third Saturday in October wouldn't have cut it for the. That is the yeah. most one-sided rivalry. It's hilarious. <laughs> wow, we're just diving watch. in on that right away. That's just oh, we can, in, I, in got, I got Tennessee shade all this whole pod. I don't think sixteen <laughs> ever lost to Alabama, did he not? I, mean, uh, I don't think he did. I mean, I mean, Dabo was on the team then, wasn't he? It, it wasn't. Uh... It wasn't competitive in the 90s. I mean, I, I, this is a weird thing with me and my dad because I did not grow up respecting Alabama. Mm. And that was always a weird thing. And I grew up – I see, my, my number one – the great Satan for me is Florida. Yes. Because I grew up during the Spurrier era. And, like, dad doesn't quite understand that. Like, because to him, it's always Bama. But, like, I just grew up we, – we just – we we ragdolled Bama growing up. And mm-hmm. I, I just – you know, so I, I, I don't have the level of – I mean, I, I hate them. But I, I don't have the level of that, like, my dad does just because it's, it's not how I was – Steve Spurrier, another great Tennessean. Yep, yep. We have a weird relationship. I mean, Doug Dickey was our athletic director all during the 90s when, you know, during the golden era. Like, he was a Florida guy. And I mean, he coached both. He played at Florida, coached both of us, and then came back to Tennessee for uh, to be athletic director. So we we've always had a, a really weird relationship mm. with Florida. But but they were I mean they were totally irrelevant until the 90s. I mean they were the place where you know they were the place that invented Gatorade, and that was about as much as you could say. <laughs> so fantastic! Oh, I can't wait for us to get back to the SEC. Sutton, let's talk about where your roots are actually uh, with West Virginia and the conference that you guys are in. Um, how would you just assess, you know, for those under, understanding like your roots being back with the big East and rivalry with Pitt, uh, how would you assess if how, how it's going for West Virginia for not only football program, but athletics as a whole? Um, well, so the story of West Virginia football, especially is uh, a story of being left behind by conference after conference. <laughs> Okay. Sort of being, um, yeah, I mean, it's just the truth. Um, you know, at one point we were in the A-10. There, there's a big-time football programs in the A-10, which uh, is, like, silly, um, especially for Dayton people like us to, to think about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the biggies uh, were huge for us for a long time. Um, a lot of people don't realize uh, 
you know, the Big East was really was was it for a, for a little stretch there. A lot of amazing programs. Miami uh, was in the Big East when they won the national championship uh, in uh, was it O two or two thousand something like this. Um, Virginia Tech was huge for a little while with Beamer and his prime. Um, so you know, Big East football was was what I was raised on. Um, my mom's entire family essentially went to WVU, so um, I was raised on Golden Blue football. It's all I've ever known. Um, and when it, uh, Syracuse and Louisville uh, and Pitt uh, all sort of shattered and left for the ACC, that was like the third or fourth time West Virginia would have uh, would have been trying to get into the ACC. Third or fourth time they've said no to us. Um, so there's a bit of a a bit of a chip, a bit of a complex there. But landing in the Big Twelve uh, was an amazing stroke of luck. You know, we got lucky because Mizzou and A&M bailed to go to the SEC and that opened the door for us. Uh, TCU came with us. And at the moment we were sort of afloat without a raft. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge, huge boon for us. And I think, you know, I think, I think the culture fit is good. I think that a lot of the teams in the big 12 are very much like West Virginia um, I mean, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are two different things. Um, but you think about Texas Tech, you think about Kansas State, uh, you think about Oklahoma State. These are schools, state schools, sort of out in the middle of nowhere, um, passionate fan bases, blue collar fan bases. Um, I think we fit in there. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, fit was a big deal with the ACC. Um, academics was was always talked about when we were turned down, but I think that sort of rolls into fit generally. Um, so I'm, I'm happy where we are. I think it's a good place. We're making a crap ton more money than we did at the, at the Big East. Um, and we're, we're every year we're playing games against, you know, legit playoff contenders. Um, Oklahoma most recently, but Texas will be in the, the conversation very soon. Um, and I think that we're a team that can, you know, finish in the top half regularly and compete for the championship you know, every five years or so, which in the big 12, I think is a pretty good place to be. Mm. So obviously you, since you've been in, with the big 12, you are able to see uh, Bob Stoops in terms of Oklahoma's dominance in Norman, but um, where you've also been able to see the tra- transition with Lincoln Riley, are you just, how, how are they perceived Oklahoma? Would you say like currently right now, or they, is it them and then everybody else? And is college football playoff good enough for them, or you want, or the Big Twelve needs to break through and uh, get some, have somebody win a natty for you guys to get the respect you guys think you deserve as a conference? Yeah, um, you know, I think the reality is that every year that every year that Notre is involved, one of the Power Five is going to be left behind. And I think if you're not that conference, um, except you know once in a blue moon, you're right. in a, you're in good shape. Uh, the reality, you know, Alabama for a long time and now Clemson are essentially unbeatable. And so winning the national championship, I don't think is a prerequisite for the for the legitimacy of the conference. Mm. Um, but when you're in the playoffs every year and you don't get embarrassed, um, then I think that I think that speaks well of the league. It's also the case that the Big 12 is the only one where everybody plays everyone, uh, which is very different and yes. has, has significant impacts on all 10 teams and especially the, the conference champion. Yes. Uh, which, which is not the truth for any of the other power fives. And I think that that's um, an important distinction that has a lot of, uh, a lot of ramifications that aren't immediately obvious. Um, so all of which is to say, you know, you might miss out on the, on the, um, the playoff 
like the first year when uh, TCU and Baylor both got screwed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but but really, you know, the like the rationale doesn't make a ton of sense. So um, I don't know. I think I don't think they, that somebody from the Big 12 has to win for the Big 12 to get respect. I think as long as um, you know the conference champion is getting into the playoff and is putting up a good uh, a good fight, mm-hmm. I think that's probably enough. Uh, you asked about Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Um, that dude is. I mean, you know, the results sort of speak for themselves. Uh, the fact that Stoops tapped him at such a young age, I think, speaks volumes. And I think the fact that he came in and he's now produced two uh, Heisman quarterbacks, both of whom um, transferred in, right? Uh, at least Baker did. So you're talking about a guy taking a, a, a player that he had, you know, two, three years max to work with and turning mm-hmm. him into a Heisman football player, um, NFL starter. Like, that doesn't happen on accident. And I think he's the real deal. And as long as he's at Oklahoma, he's going to keep just drilling and drilling amazing talent. He's going to keep pulling it out of Texas, too, unless and until Texas starts, uh, you know, really waking up. Mm, okay. Uh, Can I, can I ask, um, just on the question of, and this is a slightly more abstract question about cultural fit, but... Great question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one thing that's always interested me about, especially as a Tennessee guy, that I think West Virginia shares is there's a really weird cultural divide that happened that kind of keys in on like mountain people, not mountain people. Mm-hmm. And the Big 12 has a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of alignment there, but like I don't see a, any other obvious mountain people in this right. conference. So yeah. I'm just wondering if, if you could unpack a little bit more about like how the cultural fit has gone. And sure. like, is, is there still some tension there? Um, what? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you talk to people, what WVU fans, they describe everybody not from West Virginia as flatlanders. And that's 100% true, especially of the Big 12, which is essentially plain states. Right. Um, so that that's true. But I think I think there are a couple things going on. Primarily, um, as I alluded to before, we sort of felt like misfits and we felt like unwanted misfits. Um, and the fact that the Big 12 wanted us is sort of enough for us to overlook any of the um, potential differences culturally. Um, but I think if you look at, you know, pick your measure of culture, politically, they're very much aligned. Um, mm-hmm. They're all very religious. Um, you know, they're all blue collar. Uh, there aren't many big cities. I mean, there's Dallas, of course, but, you know, Dallas and Austin are two different states, essentially. Um, and I think people, you know, in central Texas and especially West Texas, talking about um, Lubbock and Texas Tech, yeah, uh, think of themselves in much of the same way as, you know, a, a lowercase m mountaineer would. We're out here. Nobody's helping us. We got to literally change the environment so that we can survive. And we've overcome all of that. And whether you're doing that in the hills of West Virginia or in the plains of West Texas, there's a sort of a, a shared vibe there, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, no, I, I think everybody buys into that. And, and it's especially the case of West Virginia that the fact that like I said, that the Big 12 wanted us when nobody else did mm-hmm. um, speaks volumes because part of the part of the psyche of West Virginia as a state is being unwanted and being looked down upon, um, mm-hmm. you know, being made fun of. And the fact that one of the Power Five conferences like went out of their way to get us, um, I think went a, a long way to helping us overcome a little bit of that complex. Yeah, that's clarifying. Thanks. Charles on the Big 12 front. Uh, I think everybody is just wanting to know right now uh, Herman's had enough time. Uh, the, he had the situation with Drew Locke in the bowl. 
doing this, doing a little dance and showing his ass a little bit. Then he had the little Zach Smith situation of knowing that he was cheating on his wife, not in those words. Tupac reference right there. Um, however, that he denied it, but it doesn't matter because all that matters is what happens at the Cotton Bowl on that first Saturday in October when y'all took care of business at the State Fair and beat Oklahoma finally. But it couldn't do it uh, and when it mattered uh, to actually go to uh, potentially college football playoff berth as well as uh, you couldn't stop West Virginia from uh, getting a two-point as well. But we're here now. You have a quarterback who we people are saying is a possibly a, the smarter bets for the Heisman. Is Texas all the way back? Is this the year? Um, we'll know a lot. I mean, I know we're doing a preview now, but we'll know a lot after that after week two when make they play LSU. No, make a stand. Can Man. y'all beat LSU? Do you know how many times I've gotten my hopes up? Well, you can do all you want. That's why we're trying to get you. Charlie Strong, I have gotten my hopes up. And this early season Texas loss has set me back year after year after year. <laughs> uh, I like I don't know whether, you know, one year it's it's uh, what's the, Taysom Hill running through us one year. Ooh, and it's, it's always something. And I'm, I just I, I know LSU doesn't traditionally have a quarterback. So hopefully they they still haven't fixed that problem. <laughs> we'll be able to make Coach O go as red as possible. But I mean, I think I feel like that'll be a good springboard if they can get through that that LSU game. I think they might be in store for a special season. But if they lose that game, that's already one loss, and then they, that means they got to go perfect in the conference really to have a chance to realistically maybe put themselves back in a position to get into the playoffs. So I'm I'm gonna I would. I, um, they'll make it to the Big 12 championship game again, but will they go? Will they win that and be the champs and go to the playoff? I don't know about that, but I will say they will make it to the to Big 12 championship. Can you go undefeated? No. Okay. Vince Young Thanks is not for Rick Barnes, but... <laughs> you, I mean, he's still coaching for Tennessee. Um, dude, I got to actually because we're on we're on Texas and Tennessee. People have to understand. Being from Tennessee, I hate that fucking orange. <laughs> which one? Which one? Which I one? hate Tennessee orange with a passion. Whoa. The man, thing that originally, when I moved to Tennessee in fourth grade, the thing that pushed me towards Texas were Ricky Williams, Major Applewhite, and that burnt orange. Because it was a different orange than Tennessee orange. And so I like kind of like naturally was, went towards that as opposed to that crossing guard orange that Tennessee orange. <laughs> orange. <laughs> Kitty mac and cheese, orange. I have so many names over the years. Who, who hurt you, Charles? Um, Peerless <laughs> <Yeah>. Price. <laughs> a fantastic answer. <laughs> fantastic answer. That's great. Oh man, but you have love for Vincent Yarborough, though. My man, that's that's my guy, though. That's my hero. So that's that's a little oh, different. Yeah. That's Tennessee basketball is a little different. I know a lot of those okay. guys, and okay, I'm 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 a I'm a, I'm a I'm a ride for those guys, but football Looking team, no. Ron Slay era, yeah. Yeah, Ron Slay, those guys, Hell Marcus yeah. Hayslip, those oh, guys. Yeah. Uh, so I, got, I got love for all those guys, but the football team, that's a different story. While we're here at it, and let's settle this once and for all, why is UT, UT, and I'll let you guys figure out which one I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, this shit is, oh, man. Who is the real UT? Wow. This, this, this one's a beef. I mean... This one's That's actually this one. This one is closer than the USC argument. Yes, USC argument. South Carolina has no argument. They need yeah, to shut that up. One, that one. Stand down. Yeah, you know someone who accidentally applied to the wrong school for college because of <laughs> USC. Um, I, I'll protect the identity of that person, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, as a historian, I, I I will point to the instrumental role played by Tennessee in, in the creation of the state of Texas. Ah. 
Here we go. Uh, Please enlighten us. This this is my key data point in this like who is the real UT question, right? Is that like if unless you were comfortable continuing to be a northern province of Mexico, right? You need Congressman David Crockett um, on hand to help you win your independence, right? So I think there's an I think there's an instinctive kinship between the peoples of Texas and Tennessee. But I think um, regardless of scale and size, um, I think the question of uh, historical succession suggests that the mantle should lie with the great state of Tennessee. That that's my argument. I would so actually me, I would actually agree with that. Very good. <laughs> we have an accord. Let me just add Tennessee. That. I still love my state. I just hate the school. <laughs> okay. All right. So we do have a I am fine with this is that you all are the UT. And we will call we will now call Texas just either Texas or UT Austin. I'm fine with that. Perfect. Speaking of Texas, and uh, Dana Holgerson thought he needed to go back. Obviously, he was doing so much recruiting down there. Sutton, how is life without old Dana right now? Um, how jacked are the folks uh, with – and uh, catch people up about your new hire, obviously. Actually, sure. I think it's a very good one. Um, I was, like, floored with the response from the fan base uh, about Dana leaving. Um, there was this never Dana group from the moment he came who's, like, loathed him and has never – accepted him as you know part of the family and being a real wvu guy and a lot of that has to do with how he came in which i want to be very clear was not his fault at all um but people people look um you know at coach stew and see him as the heir apparent to rich rod especially you know the way rich rod left and then what coach stew did to oklahoma and, um Sugar Bowl was Georgia 2008. Fiesta oh, Bowl, I think. God, y'all gave them After both that. work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, undefeated in the BCS, best BCS winning percentage of all time, by the way. Look at that. Uh, but I digress. Um, so people people saw him as like this sort of outsider interloper, um, which I thought was dumb, you know? Uh, and people always thought that, you know, he didn't have what it takes to really be, um, to, to get West Virginia where it should be. And in these people's mind, that is like winning a national championship on the regular, which I also think is dumb. Um, so my take on Dana was always that he was, I thought he was a great coach. I thought, you know, his system was good. It took him a while to figure out how to be a CEO. Um, but as I've talked to Jesse about uh, during the rain delay uh, in the, in the, in Charlotte last year against Tennessee, it was very clear that Dana was a what fifth or sixth year head coach and uh, the guy leading the volunteers was not. Um, and when, when, the, when the delay ended and the teams came out, it was a completely different game, mm-hmm. um, much, much to West Virginia's benefit. And so stuff like that took him a while, but it was clear to me he, he had sort of figured out how to be the CEO uh, and not just like a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, of, all of that said, apart from those people who were like, you know, frothing at the mouth to tell him just how much they're happy to see him going, almost unanimously the West Virginia fan base wished him the best of luck and understood exactly why he was leaving. Namely, we lost like 95% of our offense and we're going to be terrible this year, regardless of who the coach is. And people get that sticking around through that uh, is really hard to do. He asked the administration to extend his contract, which I think is reasonable facing that kind of challenge. Um, They said no. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. He left to go to uh, Houston where he has deep roots. Um, 
he uh, I understand uh, that he was a weekly caller to the local sports talk radio station, which is like super bizarre for some coach in West Virginia to be calling. Mm-hmm. But it just speaks to the connection he has to uh, to Houston. Um, and they paid him a boatload of money. So he got paid. Uh, you know, we get it. Uh, and we're ready to move on. Now, I say all this in retrospect. I think that was the case uh, in the moment, but it's especially the case now, considering literally anyone you ask from any place with any idea whatsoever about college football tells you that Neil Brown is like potentially the best hire imaginable. Yes. Um, He's like the ultimate character guy. He's from Appalachia. He's a Eastern Kentucky guy, I believe. Um, He gets it. You know, he's been at Troy and he turned Troy into giant killers. He's like a, he's very much in the, he's almost a, this may be overselling him and I, I shouldn't do this, but in terms of approach and character, he's like a, a Saban Debo crossover mm. where he's got like the, the strict um, system and discipline that Saban puts together where everybody who comes in buys in and the product put out is just like greater than the sum of its parts. But he's also got the Debo angle where he's like, a big inspiration guy and he's personable and he connects with his players and he gets more out of them by doing it. Um, whether or not he can have one tenth the success of either of those guys, I have no idea, but I haven't, I haven't met any or read anything from anyone, let alone from a West Virginia fan that has said anything other than this was an absolute home run. Uh, it said that, uh, the AD, um, Lions had him number one on the list. We inked him like a week after Dana left. It was a perfect transition. There was no funny business. There was no, none of this stuff. It, it got done. It was quick. He's, he was in the building. He was, you know, at high school football games or uh, basketball games the next weekend. Did it all. Seems to be an amazing guy. We're ecstatic. So the opposite of Tennessee is what you're saying. <laughs> Dude, literally. literally absolutely. Charles, do you remember you that search? Hire him is bizarre. Two summers ago. Well, uh, not two I'm, summers ago, excuse me, two winters ago. Um, yeah, I mean they've done that like three times. Like when they hired Derek, when they hired Derek Dooley, it took him forever to to find him. Like ten, this is boy the shade Tennessee's catching right now. But uh, yeah, <laughs> nobody wants that job. And when we get to them, I will tell everybody why they don't want that job. Their job is a shitty job, in my opinion. Well, we'll table that because that's just attacking the man right between his eyes. But. Um, as we go with this SEC preview here, um, there's this talk about, I mean, after oof, what happened on the second Monday in January uh, last year with what Clemson did to Alabama, I just was kept waiting for Bama to come back. Kept waiting, kept waiting. And boy, oh boy, did they just get that ass And it wasn't even close. And there's the question about like, well, they have a barbershop. We have a barbershop too. Now we have a putting course. Uh, yeah, there's this arms race in college football that mirrors the 80s with the U.S. and Russians. It's just ridiculous with these two schools. But as the torch been passed from Saban to Dabo, and uh, one of Charles would love to get your thoughts very quickly, and then Jesse, just to because um, you're a little closer to the situation in terms, obviously, from a geographical. You're, so Charles, uh, go ahead on that. I mean, I don't think so at all. I mean, I mean, it's one game. I mean, Bama, Bama beat Clemson. But it's two of the last three. Yeah, but Bama's won like four of the last like six. Without without Dabo, though. But, but, I mean, I'm, just, but I'm just saying, though, like you, I don't, I just don't like when somebody loses, they won two of the last three. Like if you're just doing, if you do four, Bama's won two of the last four. Ten, like it's, if you can make those numbers work however you want to make them work. Okay. I don't think one game is, I don't think one game is indicative of the entire 
flow of what's going on. I also don't think Dabo can ever pass Saban because he's an Alabama guy. Um, what I if he was to go back? What if, if he's he goes back and maybe good? And I think that's the. I think no matter how much he denies it, I think that's ultimately where he's going to end up. I don't know. I think there might there might be a coach in between Saban and, and Dabo, but there's he's going to be the coach eventually. Um, and when you talk about like the arms race, I feel like Clemson could never win an arms race with Alabama because that Alabama shit runs deep. Like Bear Bryant, Clemson doesn't have a Bear Bryant. Sure, Tommy Bowden. Well, but he's no longer he's no longer <laughs> yeah. with us. That was fantastic. Man, the Bowdens are West Virginia royalty. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? So um, they're never going to be able to do that because the, the the donors at 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 Alabama are always going to cut bigger checks than the donors at Clemson um, for that football team. So I feel like as long as they have Saban there and he's and he's winning and he's implementing the things that he wants to do, they're always going to give him the, the 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 leash he needs to do the things he needs to do. So I mean, I can't like I can't say that there's a torch pass when one team keeps making it to the playoff. Like it'd be different if like Alabama did. If Alabama doesn't make it to the playoff this year and Clemson wins the title again, then there's like actually like some disparity there between the two teams, which is incredibly possible this year. It's it's. Totally possible, but I also don't think that like I watched that game last year. I watched obviously because of my my romantic involvements. Uh, I watched pretty much every Alabama game last year. Do I think that man for man? <laughs> I think Clemson is involvements. Thank yes. you, sir. <laughs> I couldn't think. I don't know. Just, but, but do I think that Alabama is like that much worse than Clemson? Do I think Clemson is that much better than um, Alabama? No. And I even have you know I have my personal interest on in, in on Clemson with T. But still, like I still don't think that they're just like. Head, you know, head and shoulders above them. I think that that game was an avalanche. I think one thing happened and then shit blew up. And I feel like that that happens sometimes. Teams get blown out in the Super Bowl. That doesn't mean that they're like, you know, a terrible team. When Peyton Manning and them got blown out in the Super Bowl, that didn't mean that I didn't think that the Seahawks were 30 points better than them. But that's just the way it happens sometimes. So, nah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make that knee jerk reaction off of off of one game when especially when six months six weeks before that. Everybody, you know, they when Clemson's beating the shit out of people and Alabama's beating the shit out of people, it's, can they beat an NFL team at that point? So you went from six weeks ago you could beat an NFL team to now you're not well, even. I ain't ever on you know. Yeah, I'm you know never what I'm saying. That, but I hear they're what you're always, saying. But I'm just saying, they're, they're, college football is one of those sports where they're literally week to week or just just making these huge jumps from one thing to another, and people don't ever take into account. We're talking about 18 to 22 year olds. Jesse, you obviously hear more of like, oh man, there's maybe SEC not being as great. All this talking and this in the third. Um, what are your feelings on? Well, catch us up on like what does the South like really think? And are they a threat of of what we think in terms of supplanting Alabama, or uh, is it just a matter of before Clemson gets caught cheating? Like, what what's the feeling on them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think Clemson definitely has people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think that that's impossible to deny. I think Dabo has the program in a place where. Even the Bamas of the world respect them now. Um, I can tell you from my chair that nobody in Knoxville imagined five, ten years ago that we were going to have our primary recruit train be Clemson um, or that our access to the Carolina uh, or the greater D.C. area, for example, um, was going to go down to Clemson or that they were going to be pulling key recruits out of our backyard. Um, that would have been a joke in, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, and now it's reality. So I think it's absolutely the case that um, that they have people's attention. I don't think, I mean, Charles put it well, right? I, I don't 
the deep respect is not there because I think in the South, the deep respect is all about your history and like your tradition tradition and what's there. And Clemson doesn't really have a history and there, you know, there's, I mean, the, the thing I love about Alabama, right. Is that because you imagine Dabo's here, right? What, where will he end up? And when you imagine the, the godfather offers that will get made by Alabama donors, whenever Saban retires, the thing I love about this is that when you think about donors in another context, like, and, and, the, and the key one, the key comparison, I think, here is the Big 12, right? When you imagine a place like Texas or even like Oklahoma State with T. Boone Pickens, you're imagining places that have access to like petrodollars, right? Like the thing that makes these offers enticing is that there's a functionally limitless source of wealth backing. That's not true in Alabama. There's nothing of value in Alabama. The real, <laughs> the real like source of, of the value of these offers comes from the fact that these people are so motivated that they will impoverish every family in the state, right, by an appreciable <laughs> number of dollars to make these type of offers, right? And so that, that degree of passion, for lack of a better word, like is, is what makes the difference in the Alabama context. And so I think, I think Clemson is absolutely on the radar right now. But, I mean, Al Nick Saban's been boat raced by Ohio State before on national television, right? And it would have been foolish to count him out at that point, too. And it, the thing about Bama, I think we've all gathered enough data by this point to say that, like, you don't, you, you never sleep on these guys. Um, if you try to wash out the variable of coaching effectiveness in this and try to figure out what else might be influential, I mean, talent-wise – there's still a pretty appreciable gap between Clemson and Alabama, even though Clemson has closed it, right? There's about 11 five-star players currently on Alabama's roster by that 24-7 composite ranking I linked a few days ago, um, whereas Clemson has about seven. And the other big dimension here that I would be remiss if I didn't mention as an SEC fan is that Clemson doesn't really have to play anybody on their way to the postseason. And Alabama does, right? The SEC West is a really difficult division to get through. Whereas the SEC or the ACC at any given time has about 1.5 like competent teams, right? So um, this is going to narrow the gap between the two. But I, I'm not prepared to to say that the the balance of power is fundamentally shifted yet. The ACC is so bad. Mitch Trubisky got drafted second. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> But Daniel Jones got drafted sixth, so we will leave it at that. Uh, Big facts. Specifically, uh, just to reference, as Jesse uh, mentioned, in terms of the F SBS conferences ranked by average projected SB plus rating, the SEC is still first. Big 10 is second. Big 12 is third. Pac-12 is fourth. ACC is fifth. Uh, in yeah. terms of, so we're talking about, and then if we did it by power conference divisions ranked, by average projected SPS, SP plus rating is the SEC West is first, SEC is second, Big Ten East is third, ACC Atlantic is fourth. Yeah, and if you just do this by raw uh, schedule, yes. over the past 10 or 11 years, out of conference record, the ACC is the worst of the Power Five, mm. and it's not close. And then there's, that's um, right, I think there's the real beef, and therefore, of yeah, has Clemson closed the gap? I think we all... Yes. Anytime you win two natties in the last five years, of course you've closed the gap. It's not right. Saban taking over, and honestly, it could have easily been Georgia who won if it wasn't for him 
making a decision to go to Tua. Um, and Georgia had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter there. Um, and then also twice in a row, in fact, actually two, two years straight, where Georgia just had a 10-point lead. And maybe Kirby's just not ready to make that hump. But we'll have that discussion here in a little right. bit. Um, right. Jesse, for those folks, if I uh, just want to give a preview of, of for our listeners, uh, it's your it's different for Sutton Charles and I, who absolutely like love 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 college football. But you actually being on a campus and and also where you were raised within this of like this is literally in your blood and in you, <laughs> your kids' blood. And so describing Tennessee football on a game day gives a two minute synopsis and where you've seen that evolution about like your fandom from the nineties to current day. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a very special thing. It's, um, I mean, as we kind of alluded to earlier, like I come from a kind of music background and growing up, um, hearing Rocky top, a very deep emotional trigger for me in all kinds of different ways. And mm. there's a, there's a strange, I mean, I'll try not to be too like obtuse about this, but, Rocky Top is a very interesting song because it shouldn't exist. It's a it's a bizarre chimera that doesn't really fit any kind of category because you shouldn't be able to adapt bluegrass to marching, uh, you know, marching band form. Uh, but that's what the song is, right? Like the two genres of music are fundamentally at odds at their deepest level. Uh, but there, there's a weird quality to bluegrass, which itself... Appalachian music in general kind of has this deep uh, history and rooted in Celtic music, really. And, and one of the odds of Celtic music is that you can take the same melody and the same rhythm. And if you play it quickly, like if you imagine Irish music, you can play the same melody quickly. And that's what they call a reel in Irish music. And that's a dancing tune. Like you get up and dance. To it. You can take the same melody and rhythm and play it at halftime and it becomes uh, a dirge. It becomes a, a lament, right? It becomes a sad song. And there's a bizarre, there's just this insane kind of emotional valence in this type of music rooted in Celtic music and into bluegrass that exists in that structure. And Rocky Top kind of embodies that, um, you know, it, it spans these strange genre conventions and it just pulls on you. And it's, a, a very strange thing that happened to me after I became a parent, and because you know I live in Boston now, my my daughter's has grown up here. I mean, she, we've spent a lot of time in D, but we've sung Rocky Top to from the day she was born, and it sounds trite to say, but that song instantly soothed her. No, no matter what, how hysterical she was, if we sang that to her as a as a very small child, um, she would instantly calm down. And I sing it to her in like half time. Like I sing it because you can, you can do that. Like you can sing it very slowly and it sounds like a lullaby. Mm. Um, and then you can play like the Etherly brothers and at 120 beats per minute. And it's a slap and bluegrass track. And, and she likes that version now. And so that doesn't really answer your question in an empirical sort of way, but it does answer it in an abstract sort of way, which is that there's a lot going there that's sort of deeply emotionally encoded. And to this day, when I go back to campus and I hear the band um, and I hear them march in, uh, I it's it remains an emotionally overwhelming experience. Um, watching the tee open up to start a game and seeing the team run through it, um, 
I I I cry like every time. Like it, it's I cannot contain myself. And that's there's something about that. I mean, my my father sold drinks in that stadium growing up, you know, for a cent. And my grandfather before him and my great grandfather before him went to see games in that stadium. And I on on a slightly darker note, like one of the big reasons that I am not sure I can that we're going to stay in Boston for life is that I don't know how I can't. It's hard for me to imagine my life, especially raising a child mm-hmm. without without that, because my father took me to those games from about the age of four. And so much of our relationship played out within the context of sports and the emotional range of sports and the highs and lows of sports. And that was just the structure through which our relationship developed. Mm-hmm. And it's like being completely real, like that's how I was parented. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm in uncharted territory without knowing that I can regularly take my child to Tennessee football games. And it's something that I truly like deep down, I worry about this all the time. <laughs> as as dysfunctional as that probably is, it's the truth. Like man, I think about this real. a lot. <laughs> that's real, man. It's, when it's in your blood, it's in your blood, man. And that's that's kind of what I wanted. That's the real stuff that we wanted to make sure we have on the pod. And it's going to be great if like we check back in with you in six weeks and right before you know things are. I'm going to be a mess battle. in six weeks. I'll <laughs> I'm going to be the, the universe's greatest nihilist in six weeks. Charles, tell us why uh, there's Georgia now with, I mean, who, I don't know how they didn't convince him. I just think it would have been a home run if they would have got Dan Mullen to be the coach at Tennessee. It would have been phenomenal for them. Um, but I get it. He, you know, Mullen was what he was under Urban and whatnot, and now he's at Florida. And um, But the, the punish would tell you that, because of that, Georgia and Florida are the top two in the SEC East, and they maybe separated themselves from uh, the others a little bit. Um, but, Charles, do you feel that, obviously, with you being so close with Atlanta right now and then knowing Tennessee as you do, and I think you've been waiting for this time to dive in and give it all about what the hell has happened from your, how should I say, villain villain or, or friend of me, Peerless Price, uh, to the to the days of uh, to the days now that um, Coach Pruitt is. I'm just in shock over what he just said. Tell me more. Go ahead. I just I'm just of, of those like I'm one of these people. I grew up 45 minutes from Knoxville, so like I've been to plenty of Tennessee games, been on the river with the boats, drunk, good time. I will say it is a great time. But why would you doom your child to a life of mediocrity? I do not understand that. Like, oh man, I I feel for this. I feel like I'm at a point now in my in my life where I have so many. Obviously, all my friends are Tennessee fans, so like I start to see on Facebook, 65 days BFL, and here we go again. And it's not that like I don't I don't understand your pain. I just know how this is gonna end every single time. And just to see you guys get your hopes up every <laughs> single summer. Oh, we got this recruit. This is the guy. He's, he's not. He's not. So I will say this about Tennessee. This is my Tennessee theory. If for the for Tennessee to get a recruit, that means that let's say they, this, it's a receiver from Florida, state of Florida. For Tennessee to get this guy, that means he has to be he has to have not gotten an offer or been turned down, or he turned down Alabama, LSU, Florida, Florida State, Miami, and Georgia. 
So if you're recruiting these areas like Florida, t- the people I feel like the players on Tennessee are not the top tier players. They are the, the the three star recruits after that that are left over after Georgia and Alabama and Florida and Florida State have taken all the five star recruits. I feel like that's where they find this this gap in talent. I understand sometimes they have shaky coaching. I, I never thought Derek Dooley was a good coach. I know they have good coaches now, but I almost feel like they have a they have a talent disparity. They're not as good man for man as the teams they line up across. And I feel like in my time of living in Tennessee that the fans never fucking recognize that. Like they're not supposed to beat Alabama. So this is an empirical question. Yeah. So it's so it, it it's literally untrue that we are less talented than Florida. Now I said I said Georgia. I didn't say Florida. That Georgia is absolutely. But I mean that that in itself though presents a different problem, which is that Georgia has a reputation for egregiously ruining talent. I mean, like that's that's the hallmark of their brand. Mm-hmm. So like all of these things have brand value attached to them. We, uh, it, we have about parity with Florida in terms of talent level. Now, Florida is going to kill us. Like, I'm, I'm under no delusions about this. Uh, and and we, have a, we have a problem, especially in the Butch Jones era, of ourselves. But it's, I mean, we don't, uh, there are not a lot of cases we go toe-to-toe with Bama and win. Uh, but there are cases where we actually do that. I mean, Pruitt went in for Henry Toa Toa, who is a great linebacker on the West Coast. Like, went toe-to-toe with Bama and won. Um, like, we don't do this a lot, but we do do it. Um, like I, I'm under no delusions about like brand value right now. So like I don't want to come off like I'm saying no, we are elite. We're not elite. But I I think in a in a weird sort of way I'm validating your point because our talent level is elite. It's 15th in the country over the last 10 years according to 24/7, and we've ruined that talent. And I think that's the big question, right? Is that like how did we do that? How did we take like what we've been given? Uh, and and just singularly fail to translate that into football success. So yeah, without saying like I think we're actually good because we're not. Um, in a weird way, talent is not the. Pro- We've recruited above our level um, for the past. Even I mean, Butch was a great recruiter for reasons that I can't fully explain. Right? You know, like we had oh, we had champion of life. Classes. We understand. He was like, well, yeah. It's, I, I don't know. For game. some reason, that sells to high school kids. I don't know what. But, like, that was the one thing Butch could do is recruit. Um, he, he, unfortunately, didn't know shit about football. But um, so, so yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to nail it, I don't know if talent is, 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 like, the main vector of analysis there. I'm still seeing, like, that's what I see. Like I said, like, that's, I mean, you have, like, you have a guy in, in Alvin Kamara who went there but, like, nobody really – it's like, oh, he went to Tennessee? Oh, he was in the SEC the entire time? And then it's like he explodes in the NFL, but he like, but he wasn't Alvin Kamara. Like, they, he did well in Tennessee. I remember watching him, but he wasn't Alvin Kamara at Tennessee at that point. I just don't no, feel he, like – He spent roughly the – he spent roughly the same amount of time at Alabama. So are you going bl- to blame Nick Saban for that? Well, hey, man, he, he didn't earn he didn't earn his way on the field. I can't get him for that. You're that's the that's because there was four NFL running backs on the same team. And and, and exactly. And one and of them looked like one of them looked like a And there were no he went to Tennessee and there were no fucking NFL running backs on the team. So he walked in there, of course. Well, there there weren't any NFL running backs, but there was I mean there was an because Jalen Hurd is now a receiver who that's plays exactly for the Chiefs. Right. But that's like right. I you know I I 
I am not. I definitely want to die on this hill. Like, <laughs> Al, Alvin. Don't die on the Josh Dobbs hill. No, well, <laughs> do not die on the Josh Dobbs hill. I will die on Josh Dobbs for president of space. Um, <laughs> is the political campaign I want to work on. Josh Dobbs is. Josh Dobbs is a great person and an average quarterback. <laughs> if the Steelers give him a break, this is he'll great. show everyone. This he'll is. Show I love, love, love. But this is nothing. Last more thing I'll say on Tennessee, I Please. do feel. But the, one of the things I do feel like is that the fans have this unrealistic expectation of the team. Not saying that Sutton does, but I'm just saying like I feel like the team, like the fans that I deal with on a day to day basis, literally think like it's they. It's not SEC. It's not national. I wouldn't say it's national championship or bust, but it's definitely SEC championship or bust to them. And it's like you know, it's if it's Pruitt's first year. And they win the first two games, and I know Sutton knows this feeling. When they win the first two games, Jesse, and then oh, for, for Tennessee, my Jesse bad. for Tennessee. Jesse knows this. My bad. I was. I I'm know that feeling to too. But you know that. But you guys know that feeling when, like, your team. Because I'm a Texas fan, <laughs> and I know this feeling as a Texas fan. You win those first two games, and you're like, "This is the year. We're getting it." And then that fucking Florida game happens, and <laughs> boy, it, yeah, uh, it felt so funny. bad for that. Yeah. Without saying you're wrong, because you're absolutely right. I mean, like, the expectations that the program has are absolutely toxic to its ability to rebound. I This is something that, like, our, our re- failure has been so acute, right, and so conspicuous that it has actually warped people's historical perception of our program's actual credentials. Like, it, when I have this conversation with people and I actually push on what they think our program history is what I find is that they are massively like misinformed about this for, for very understands, right? Uh, because we have been so bad, like the notion that we have more wins over the course of our history than almost any other program, right? Not in the Ivy league, uh, escapes the, or the number of titles we have, or the fact that we have the second most sec titles behind, Alabama, right? Like people are just like, they literally do not know these facts um, because they're fixated on the last like 15 years. And that's fine. Like presentism is a thing that I encounter all the time in my line of work. But like they, the expectation, I mean, this is a methodological question for us as fans, right? Do your expectations help the program or do they harm it, right? Like that's a hard question, right? Like should, should I expect excellence and refuse to compromise? Uh, every year, and does that expectation help elevate the quality of our play, or does it become toxic and actually like warp uh, our ability to succeed? And I think, to your point, um, the answer is probably the latter. Mm-hmm. Most recently, because yeah, like for, for a lot of us, like our ridiculous expectations are like breaking the players' minds. Like, I mean, that that's the impression you get when you watch us play Florida, for example. And so, yeah, like, I think we're in a dysfunctional place psychologically. That's absolutely the case. Our record is what it is. Empirically, uh, there are very few programs in college football that can compare to what we have achieved. uh, But, like, yeah, we're in a place right now where, like, those expectations are completely out of whack with what we're able to, to achieve. And, yeah, it's so, like, I mean, Pruitt's tenure is a great example. It's like Kirby Smart can bounce back in a season. And like, and like between us, I'm skeptical that Kirby Smart is a great coach. I, I'm wondering like, the same. I think he's yeah, just, like I, it's kind of hard to screw up the talent that they're finally getting. 
Exactly. And it's like any Georgia coach, right, is going to have this embarrassment of riches, right? Mm -hmm. Because you essentially don't have to recruit. And the real question is, like, can you take this talent and turn it into decisive on-field success? And that was what killed Rick, right? And so far, I've seen Smart choke in, like, very conspicuous ways. And so I'm not totally convinced that he is like an excellent football coach, given the resources that are available to him. But you contrast him with Jeremy Pruitt. Like, I'm pretty convinced that Jeremy Pruitt is a really good football coach in the sense that he is good at teaching people to play football better. Now, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of his resource gap, it's going to take us at least three seasons to even find out whether that he can succeed at the SEC level. And it may not be, but like, because of the talent gap, it's going to take us that long to find out. And that's, I mean, like to your point, Charles, like that's the big thing, right? Is it like the fans, some of the fans get that, but a lot of them do not. No, right? and, and I think, but that's the problem I find in a lot of college sports in general is like, people got to understand, like this is his second year. You have to give people time to get their own players in there, their own system. Yep. And you t- it's hard to, you can't change in any program, anything. You can't change your coach every three, two, you know, three, four years. You're not getting any continuity going, and it just creates this turnover with, like I said, but you got half the team playing for a coach they didn't get recruited by. Yeah. And why he's bringing, like, it's just things that people don't see behind the scenes that are going on. And like I said, even with that, like, we can, I think we can all agree that Georgia and Alabama are maybe, are probably the two best teams in the SEC, or this relatively. Yeah. And with the way that, like, Tennessee fans are, if Tennessee beats Florida, then, like, the, their psyche is to go to, Okay, well, you guys should beat Georgia, and then you should beat Alabama too, because we beat Florida. Like the expectations go from like reasonable to like one win makes them like we're back, baby. This is the oh, fucking yeah. year, and it's like yes. whoa, 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 whoa. Can we just beat South Carolina next week? And this is how yeah, I thought about it. Texas too, actually. And, yeah, and I no, hate to say totally this for you, Charles, is like you guys have the same thing to a degree. Like once you beat Oklahoma, like I mean, you guys struggled with Kansas, and then right. you guys didn't close the do- door against West Virginia last year at home. And granted, but, Will Greer is, in my opinion, one of the best Big 12 quarterbacks of all time. But um, it's, I mean, it's you guys are it's, you guys mirror each other to that degree, even though your oranges are different. I think that I yes and no. I think that the the varying thing of that is I feel like I feel like Texas is so blinded by Oklahoma that they can't focus on anything else. And UT, I feel like, <laughs> is right a little bit with that of present day with Florida, which is why the Blue Hairs are so pissed about it because like. They don't understand how this is like minuscule. Like Florida wasn't a program. Like they didn't exist. Like it, according well, to Jesse's parents, you know. Like we're currently being abused by so many people that we can't afford to fixate on any one person. So fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Sutton, coming yeah. back to you, bud. Most exciting players to watch this year. Uh, name our top three that we got going on the Big Twelve for folks to know. Oh, jeez. Uh, um, you plugged in. Well, I mean, I'm most excited to see how Mr. Kendall does uh, at West Virginia, just because even mm. if this is year zero, um, next year is going to be a real deal. Uh, not that we're for a championship, but he's going to be the uh, the main cog. Um, he might be the guy that finally helps us beat Oklahoma. I doubt it because we're, as I've said before, like three seasons away from being their permanent stepchild. But in any event, um, for me personally, uh you know, if he can come over and then really stick it to the Sooners um, and thank them for attempting in bad faith to block his transfer, that'd be awesome. Mm. Um, here's here's a bone for Charles. Um, I think um, Ellinger, Ellinger, whatever it is, uh, 
may be the most important, the single most important player in the Big 12 in terms of uh, ability to influence the outcome of the league. Um, if he shows out and you know does everything that he probably can do uh, with the talent level that Texas will always have, uh, it could really screw with a lot of people's expectations for what, what the league looks like. Um, I'm not sure. I don't have another player specifically I'm interested in. I'm really curious to see what Les Miles does. I have a hunch that that he has essentially no – like, I don't think he cares. I honestly don't think he cares. Really? I think he – I think he should go to – I mean, you went to Kansas, Michael. You don't go to Kansas <laughs> if you want to be a winner. I mean, it's just the fact of the matter. Um, and, I mean – you're in the Big 12 and you're a, you're a basketball school. Like, not only first and foremost, but first through, like, 10th and foremost. Um, and he could – he's a big enough name that he could go there and continue going, like, 1-13 in 13 or whatever, 1-11, uh, in 11, and nobody's going to care. Hmm. And I think he's okay with that, honestly. He's just that weird. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he's going to he's gonna upset somebody. God okay. forbid it's us. And uh, but anyway, I, I'm curious to see what, if anything, comes of, of him uh, at Kansas and whether, uh, you know, it's not going to turn around immediately, but whether he he surprises any of us this year. Does Jalen Hurts work for Oklahoma? Yes or no? Uh, yeah. You, yeah the answer is yes. I mean, that's because Lincoln it's Riley a plug and play is, system. Yeah, he's it's a, a plug and play system, and he's an elite athlete, and that's all you need. Charles, your thoughts on Hurts? Is he going to work there? Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, he'll. he'll He'll be a little un, un unchained this season. I feel like um, you know, saving so structured and just up his ass all the time. I feel like it might be nice to have a young coach might be able to breathe some life into his game, and he might be able to. I think he's a little bit more dynamic than he showed even at Alabama. I think he's got some more shit to him. So uh, I definitely think it'll be good. I don't, I'm not not. I don't think I'm not going to pick them to make the playoff. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm we know that. that yet. We know yeah, that. I mean, he's, I mean, if he throws four, you know, if he throws four picks in the Red River Shootout, I mean, I'm all for that. Um, <laughs> Facing teams that don't play defense will help. Yeah, definitely. Right. The one thing I'll say right. about about my boy Sam at Texas, I don't see it. Really? I don't. I, I've like as much as I love that team, he's he's the thing that's holding me back from like really really committing. Like he's, in so many words, like he's no Colt McCoy. And Is it a talent thing or a personality? He just doesn't have it. McCoy's different though. I just when I like like I said when it's I just feel like I I equate all like football things to when especially when it comes to quarterback with is this the person I want with the ball with three minutes left and we need to go get some points he ain't the guy like I'm I'm not I'm not confident as a fan with him with the ball down three and we need to get some shit done. Another um, reason why I'm so pissed off about the Alabama rise too because if McCoy would have been healthy that damn game I think it would have been. It didn't a much get hurt. Game. We were winning that game. There's in, no in the question. Books. I wholeheartedly agree. They literally walked the ball down the, <laughs> down the field on the first possession. Walked mm-hmm. the ball down the field. He gets turned on the one. Okay, never mind. Never mind. He, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to get your. Uh, I didn't mean to get you going there. I cried when he walked off that field. I was so hurt. <laughs> it was. It was not good. Um, I'm looking at twelve to one on Heisman odds for Hertz. Would you put any money on that? No. Sam Ellinger is twenty to one. No, because I think LSU might kill his Heisman chances in week two. Jake Fromm is Ooh. eighteen to one. I believe in Jake Fromm far less than I believe in Sam. <laughs> I don't like the Georgia. NFL guys that are like Jake Fromm is. I I don't see it. I, I, see Jake I love Fromm. 
not in college. I actually love from more in the NFL. SEC Andy Dalton. SEC Andy Dalton. That's fantastic. Ooh, Willie. Uh, you guys all laugh because it's true. Jesse, give me, give me most exciting players to watch in the SEC this year. Yeah, for me, this has got to start with Tua. I mean, I I, mm-hmm. I don't consider myself like a savant of like the X's and O's, but I watching Tua play, watching him put the ball all over the field is just pornographic. And I think that conversation has to start with him. I think it's going to be really interesting to see Missouri. Just I cannot get my head around that whole program. Like I – as a Tennessee fan, like they, they have seed bagged us since entering the conference. And I am simultaneously just confused and mystified by that. But also like, I respect the hell out of what they're, (laughs) what they've built there. And especially given like the, the turmoil, like what they've been able to hold together. And so watching like what they've been able to put, what they will be able to put together in the East is going to be a really interesting, uh, because everybody knows that like, you know, Bama, Georgia, Florida, like those are going to be like some of the big, bigger pieces. I think A&M is interesting, but their their schedule is like the most brutal thing I've ever seen. Oh, I have the, uh, I have the numbers on that, actually, specifically. Yeah. Tennessee yeah. has the fifth. That's Tennessee, actually, has the fifth hardest schedule in the SEC. Unfortunately, they also have the fifth hardest schedule in the nation. <laughs> that sounds like it's like hey great we're, we're ranked 12th overall in the country and that's also 12th in the sec congratulations hey, um, um a&m is the hardest schedule they have to go to death valley both death valleys yeah it's that's insane and, and to that point like the third player i was going to mention is joe burrows because like i people have mentioned his name and like obviously lsu is going to get talked about when yeah. we when we project things but I just, I mean, I think Charles referenced this earlier. Like, I, it's not clear to me that, like, LSU ever plays a quarterback, right? So it's interesting to me that there is a narrative around him. And I mean, and I think whether or not that turns out to be true will be a, a huge determinant in what the rest of the West looks like this season. Where, where is the parent in Louisiana that has just got his kid out there throwing balls and he's like, seven years old and is like, <laughs> you're going to be the LSU quarterback. I, we raised him since exactly. first. Like, where is this kid at? Because I don't understand how you guys haven't had, we haven't, haven't had a quarterback in like 15, 20 years. Right. I mean, they struck out on the Mannings, right? It's like, that's supposed to be you. Like, yes. that, that's your whole, yeah. What was it, Matt Mock? <laughs> is that the last guy that was worth it? Right. No, no, right, no. Right. Well, well, he was a uh, Mizzou guy, mm-hmm. actually. But speaking of when you mentioned Mizzou, this is another thing about, like, this is not a bash UT pod. This is not what it's about. It's actually supposed to, like, we're actually trying to, I yes, feel like is. we're, I, yes, feel, <laughs> I feel like we're peeling, I feel like we're peeling the onion. Myself. We're peeling the layers and we're just figuring this out so we could get through it. However, UT just has this mental barrier against Florida. Mizzou never grew up with any mental barriers as Florida, but their issue is right. they can beat Florida by two scores. And yet they lose to Kentucky two, three out of the last four years. That I don't get. And that's right. Mizzou in a nutshell right there. Or they or play, they're in a fourth quarter game against Georgia. And then they struggle against South Carolina and they just can't figure it. It's baffling. I do not get right. it. And then they have zero problems. Like, it's like they don't, under, they aren't looking against like, oh, this is Tennessee. Fine. We're not worried. Go Florida. But then they can't put it all together. It's incredibly odd. I agree with you. Yeah, they they can sort of get out competed week to week. 
Uh, but they, but they lack these sort of like mental priors that, that like traditional right. SEC teams have. You can ask Sutton about this. He has very dysfunctional views about um, how uh, mental blocks work in the late game. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. For sure. So, so. That's yeah, unnecessary go. low blow. Oh, Sutton. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some quick hits over-unders because this has been a really fun one and we're going to bring this crew back together again. And I actually think it may be best to do it. Oh, wait, you're maybe right before Florida week. <laughs> we actually have to re, re recap uh public service announcement we're really excited um and we should have i'm so glad they're actually going to make this happen is that anytime our friendship theory teams play each other in college football we make an effort of people to make sure that they, uh, for the weekend so it'll be about seven eight of us uh going to columbia or sutton what are you going to be 20 30 deep in your family not that many, closer to fifteen. Mm, um, wow! But it's, it'll, it'll be a it'll That's be a strong a lot. contingent. We're really excited. The, the the golden blue will be will be very vibrant. That'll be good, and I will be pretty much pissing my pants in the corner, worried about Army's triple option because they took Oklahoma to triple overtime last year or, or overtime last year, and they go to the big house, and I just get worried on first Saturdays in October. When it comes can to can you explain to me what what's the deal with Big Ten teams like getting freaked out about service academies? Listen, it is so <laughs> odd. We don't I see the triple options, Navy, and it was like a, a three week like meltdown. We don't see the, the options. And... It's so weird. Bro, it's Army. I I think we'll still win by seventeen, look, but I will get nervous. Let me be clear. This is Army. This is not the troops. Am I the only one who think you can put together a team of the troops and win every game ever? <laughs> That is another Marine Tide. Yeah. Oh, they, what do you mean they're not the? Oh, never mind. I got you. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. It's a bad recitation. They can't lose in the trenches. They can't. They, they. I mean, technically, they wouldn't lose in the trenches. Well, that's right. <laughs> it's a str- strong. We'll, we'll have another pod where we talk about trench warfare and even of like tactical systems. But yeah. yeah, I'm gonna tap out on that one and let you take it, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> we can get a whole speak a whole spiel on all squad on the Western Front. <laughs> Fantastic. Over-under predictions uh, right now, uh, just to make sure we're giving straight numbers because we will give you guys winners this year uh, in the spirit of Scott Van Pelt, uh, fellow Pike. Um, Charles is almost an honorary Pike. He was pretty much banging all the Pike girlfriends anyway, so <laughs> it's fine. Or one at two. Or, Man of the people. Or vice versa. <laughs> Man of the people. Can Indeed. I say? Can I say? I was no Logan White, but I was a Man of the people. <laughs> You know, no, no one really, no one really understands how incredible Logan really was. So, over under. Real G's moving silence, man. Yes, indeed. Yes, stick indeed. Man. Stick man. Yeah, that's right. Stick man. Board man, actually, for Logan. Uh, UT. Um, we are gonna go with Jesse. We'll let you go. Actually, on three, we're gonna let you guys say over under. You say on three. You'll say either over. You'll say under. I'll stop. I'll see if we're all in. Uh, all in agreement here. They are their over under is six and a half, and it's minus one sixty for the over, plus one forty uh, for the under. So on three, you're gonna tell us over under one two three over over by and I'll be clear by exactly Sutton. five wins. Oh, you want my take on this? And all three, <laughs> all three. So okay, we'll go with Jen. I'll, I'll That's go fine. over. I just guess he's uh, seven. Seven wins. And if and if 
Charles is on board with that too. That that's, well, that's I think volume. I think them being them not being bowl eligible would be a disaster. So I think like they'll make they'll Fair be enough. bowl eligible. But they could be bowl eligible like, at six and six. My so attempt well. at a rational. Uh, that's that's a, I mean Tennessee record is six and six, but I'm I'll give them seven and five. <laughs> Mm. That's my attempt at a rational explanation. Is that I think we're going to go seven and five. You're going over. Okay. Okay. Um, God, is I, I want to confirm it. Questions on the line of smidge. I mean, that's the problem. Like we're in the wrong conference. Like our our skill positions look great. The lines of scrimmage do not. So, and we didn't talk about Aubrey, but God, I, I he's going to be amazing for you guys. Been, if he had not been eligible, I I that would have that's worth at least one win. For me, I mean, maybe you disagree, but like we we've got major question marks in the trenches. Aubrey, and Aubrey that, Solomon that would have changed my Aubrey Solomon for folks is I think a former top fifty recruit and actually one of the few defensive linemen that actually got to wear a single at Michigan. Good, he's transferred after two <laughs> seasons, and it was a surprise actually because he would have started this year um, and actually would have potentially started the last two years, and that's fortunately where is Michigan's only weakness this year is the interior defensive line. It really is worrying me. Um, however, I'm looking at Tennessee. I think you guys beat Georgia State. I think you beat BYU at home. Does Chattanooga count towards your bowl eligibility? <laughs> Don't disrespect the mocks like that, man. The fight to Owens. Don't do them like that. Does that's that the home team, baby. That, that's Charles' hometown. Man. Come on. That's, my, that's the squad, man. Yo, why did you go to Lee? Why did I go to Lee? He offered you a basketball scholarship in the seventh grade. I was good. <laughs> that's great. I, I was, yeah, I had a friend go to Milligan. That could have been you. The dream, the dream we all don't want to live. <laughs> if they count Chattanooga as a bowl, and, like, that goes towards you, you guys getting in the bowl because, for some reason, Saban also puts in Saban is definitely TC to keep that weird non-conference games that you guys will have and you try to have for everybody because yep. people want to come to games. So, Georgia State win, BYU win, Chattanooga is a win, Mississippi State at home is a win. UAB I'm is a win. So. Yes. <laughs> Mississippi State's a win. UAB. They're throwing the random... away one of those games. No. One of those, one of those games they're going to inexplicably lose. If that's the case, then there's I... no way they're making a bowl. If that's the case. But I think they these have to be wins. UAB. Oh, no. And you no, have to no, be win one, too. Yeah. That's, so, like, BYU, I think, is, like, not certain. It's probable. I think Mi- Mississippi State is a question mark. I think, I mean, the, the big, I no. mean, the, the thing that matters, right, is, like, South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri. How many of those games do we win? That's the crux of it. You have South For Carolina me, at like, home? I, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, we, those last four never, are all winnable. We've never beat Will Muschamp. We are 0-7 against Will Muschamp. So, uh, where did Will Muschamp used to coach? Do what now? Where did Will Muschamp used to coach? I forget. Florida. It, I didn't fucking... It's the, the middle. <laughs> oh. Great. It's exactly what Good. this is. Good. I mean, if you look so, at yeah. the schedule after that Alabama game, though, those the rest of those games are all at least winnable. They're winnable, yeah. So it's like th- those are the four games for me. It's like that's the season right there. It's like how many of those four games we win? You go four and zero, like to Charles, to your point, like the conversations are going to start. Like we're back. We beat South Carolina. Um, and, but like if things go like they have for the past several years, and we're two and two or one and three. In those games, then like yeah, more of the same. Seven is doable. I think we'll hold you yeah. at seven. I think we're. I think we'll pin it at seven. I like that. Yeah. I just thought yeah. about that as he as he said that. That's how Tennessee fans are. They're like, yeah, we beat USC, and it's like, oh, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> right. 
it's like I said, it's like we, we have nothing to say. It's like it's it's zero and seven against Will Muschamp. Like that that is what it is. Like that's where we're at. Oh geez, um, easy transition as we will go now to Texas Austin and their over under is nine and a half this year, uh, and that also includes the potential Big Twelve championship. Uh, last year Texas won nine wins. The over actually. You make money if you say the under of nine and a half. So they would, if they end up at nine wins, um, so it's minus 160, meaning you would have to bet $160 to win $100. Uh, so over under there, Charles will defer to you on this. Um, I think they're going to get 10. The bowl game is going to get them 10. But bowl won't count. So you're oh, saying. bowl won't count. So they're going nine then. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's the third loss? Yes. Ex- uh, mm hmm. Is TCU good this year? I'm not liking this West Virginia game on the road. Oh, come on, bro. That's a long trip. That's a long trip. <laughs> Believe not, me when I tell you, that is not, not the concern you need. Not a huge fan of this um, TCU game. And I'm never a fan of anybody. I'm never a fan of any road game against Iowa State. They're, yeah, they're, they're kinda, feisty. Ames is a bitch. Good they're feisty. Feisty. <laughs> Where dreams go to die. I hate Ames. I think Ames and Manhattan are all weird places to play. God, like who? That's the thing. Like you can't convince your fans. Like, oh, take this ticket package. Let's go to Ames. Like, that's almost like you'd rather you won't have any fans there. Um, I do have to shout out. We went to the Iowa State game last year. Yeah, they were phenomenal fans. Very nice, and including the fact that they were. I mean, they literally ran us out of the building. They were hospitable <laughs> as hell when they about they to get so in that nice. ass. They were so nice. And, the, uh, you know, the Riot Bowl has a very special place in my heart. So whenever um, West Virginia and Iowa State get together, shit gets crazy. Oof. I don't know, Charles. I don't think there's a third loss in there. I guess I guess you guys, you know, shit the bed once, maybe. Maybe to one of the states. I don't know. Oklahoma That's State, that maybe Sam interception me. that I'm dreading is going to happen. It's going to happen. Yes. Oh, oh, I guess okay, TCU is your big scare. Uh... I mean, I'm looking at the road games. They they're known for tricking off a home game, though. You're no, you're, mm-hmm. uh, What's Mike Gundy doing this year? DKR isn't what it used to be. He's a man. <laughs> <laughs> he's 40 this year, isn't he? Yeah, literally. He's, um, he's turned down Tennessee straight times for a coaching job. <laughs> likes that orange in a, holi- in a holiday yeah. in Likes that Stillwater orange. Um, I don't see three you know, losses. paying him. I say take the over. Take take ten. Ten and two. And that's before they go into the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma. I think that's right. And do it. Yeah, go make money, Texas America. Texas is back, baby. You're welcome. Texas is back. If 11-2 gets mm, but then our welcome. Their issue is that they don't want to be – this is what the Big 12 doesn't want, is for Oklahoma to win in October mm-hmm. and then for them to lose where they get shut out of the playoff if they lose in December. So that'll be interesting. Um Sutton, we have West Virginia, and I believe your over-under, if I'm not mistaken, is also uh, six and a half. Seriously? This year. Excuse me, it's five and a half. You won eight games say. last year. So, But uh, if, if you bet the over, it would yeah, be you would bet be $120 to win 100 Or excuse me, if you bet $100, you win $120. Uh, if you mm-hmm. pick the under, you'd have to bet $140 to win $100. Five and a half. What do you see? Dude, uh, I I struggle to see sins, honestly. Um, I think Missouri's going to destroy us. If we, so 
if we come out of the first four games, that's James Madison, Missouri, NC State, and Kansas. If we come out three and one, oh yeah, sure. I think I think we're in a position to uh, to surprise three other teams. Um, but honestly, my expectations are just so low, mostly for you know my own mental health in year zero that I don't want any expectations because I know we're going to be pretty garbage. Um, I don't see six wins. I just don't. I think that I mean that requires us beating you know. At Baylor, Both the states and Tech, you know, yeah, Baylor. I think we might we might be able to pull out Baylor, but listen to this though: the middle of our schedule, we play Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. Yeah, all three back to back. Yeah, in two at weeks. home. Though, I mean, come nice, on. But... Yeah, but still. Um, okay. And then we've got Oklahoma State and TCU to end the season. I don't, I don't see it. I hope <sighs> I'm wrong, but I don't see. It. I think. Let me put it this way: if Brown goes to a bowl in his first year. I would be ecstatic. Okay. I would think that he is well, well ahead of him. Realistic. Realistic. I like it. Um, I guess this is an opportunity. We, we won't go through all of these uh, different teams, but I want to make sure we got those on record with you three, and we'll revisit when we uh, come back together. But um, college football playoff predictions, Jesse, you're going to go first, Sutton, and then Charles and myself. Yeah, I – I could give you a kind of clever answer, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I thought Bama, Georgia, and Clemson are three that you just kind of have to throw out there. And then, but can I, we talk about the Georgia situation? Do yeah, they have I to mean, win the SEC championship, similar to what like to get in? Yeah, it, it depends on what their pre-existing record is. You know, I mean, like this is the question we've seen for the past few seasons running, like I don't trust LSU, right. To like get out of the conference. Agreed. I always trust LSU to be great, but like, they're always just going to like have themselves in a comical way in some game. And so you got to think that Georgia, I mean, I think they're going to run the sec. And then it's a question of like, what are they going to do in the conference championship against Bama? And if that's their only loss, then how are you going to deny them? And they're going to get in and like Kirby smart will find a way to choke things away so i'm not i'm not gonna predict georgia to win the whole thing ever until i see him do it but because of their talent level um i don't i don't think i'm i can't not pick them um in terms of like a top four situation and then looking outside that i think oklahoma is my fourth i just like i look at their path and i i don't in, in terms of the, their path to the playoff, right? Like if mm-hmm. that, that's my main criterion. And on, on the basis of that criterion, um, Oklahoma looks like the, the fourth team to me. In the middle of the season, after Georgia goes to Tennessee, they don't leave the state of Florida until November 6th. <laughs> that's ridiculous. They have South Carolina, yeah. Kentucky, um, the world's largest cocktail party. Yep. And a bye before the flip, but then they then they have Mizzou after that. But then their last three are Auburn, Texas A and M, and then Georgia Tech. That A and M game is really weird. It's weird. Weirdly placed. Weirdly so placed. The, the thing about both of those games, right? Auburn and A and M, is mm-hmm. that by the time we get to that point of the season, if you are Georgia, you can reasonably expect that both of those teams and both of those fan bases will have been totally consumed by the sheer vitriol of their coaching search questions, which they have every single year, right? That's so, a great point. Auburn, for sure. I mean, Jimbo's not going anywhere from A&M. But 
Right, right, right. But like, but the but the the question is fundamentally one of value, right? For Malzahn, it's like, how much do we have to pay to shit can this guy? Sure, Whereas sure. with with Jimbo, it's like we're paying X. Are we getting Y? And because of A and M's schedule this year, the answer has got to be no, right? Like nobody's ever going to be. And and like we've talked about weird fan bases tonight. Let's not even get started on A and M, right? Like those oh, people very have a thing, very exactly, cold. right? <laughs> so it's like. It doesn't matter how like hard their schedule is on paper. Like there's some weird shit going on in College <laughs> Station, and that's going to be a conversation. And so if you're, you know, if you're Georgia, you have to like by that point the narrative for your opponents is always going to be psychologically crushing. And I see, like we Tennessee beat the hell out of Auburn last year. Like it wasn't close. Like I mean, it kind of was on paper, but it wasn't close in real life. And, like, a big part of the reason why is that their juju was worse than ours. Like, can you imagine that? Like, it's it was worse than ours because of the questions around Malzahn. So, like, for that reason, I think, like, Georgia makes it work. Okay. Um, oh, I, I just, the, the disdain mm. in which he just said those people is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can hear it in your voice. Those people. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Charles. I'm going to go Clemson and Bama, the obvious two picks. Um, I'm leaning towards Ohio State as the third, and then my fourth is going to be LSU. I think that when the playoff committee gets, gets to it, I think that Texas win is going to be the thing that pushes them over. But you're expecting they're actually, Texas they're gonna, They're going to have that Texas win. I think Because I think Texas is going to end up being the Big 12 champs, so they're going to have this win. Over the Big Twelve champs, and their only loss is going to be tricky, to tricky. their only loss is going to be to Bama. They're going to lose. They're not going to make the SEC championship game, but they'll be sitting there with one loss. All these other valued valued wins. I have that Texas win, and I think they'll be the fourth team. I got to dive in LSU a little bit. Mm. You're banking on LSU beating Texas at DKR. Who I don't even need to know. I don't even need to look at in the program. All I know is number seven on LSU is going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever it is. Yeah. Whoever it is. So true. So good. Like Man- Manchester United, whoever we give the number seven shirt to, that guy's a problem. Yeah. There's going to be some weird guy with the last name Mingo or something out there. It's going to be a wrap. I mean, LSU plays Florida at home. That's a win. Auburn at home. That's a win. Just count the Alabama. So you think that's the only game they're losing to you have them beating A&M this year? Yeah. There's a path. You're absolutely right. There's a path. I, I just... I think you guys are going to beat Ellis at Texas. They're going to end up with two losses from college football playoff contention uh, come the morning of November 10th after they lose to Alabama. They have a bye before Alabama, though. Yeah, I, I, I'll be shocked if LSU gets I mean, there, but there's a path. At there's the same path. point, too, you're, you're saying they're going to have two losses. If that if they do lose that game to Texas and that catapults Texas to having this amazing season, if the two teams that you lost to are both in the playoff ahead of you, that not the worst thing. Well, that's the Baylor back in. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, you really bought Art Browse to my podcast? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us that um, Gary Patterson, TCU got screwed worse. I'm just, yeah, but them getting Baylor getting screwed and LSU getting screwed, I feel like are two different things. And this wasn't a screw job by Michigan, but this is exactly what happened with Ohio State last year in terms of where they came in as the two top four, like mm-hmm. two of the top four powers. And it doesn't matter, you lose your first game of the year, you lose your last game of the year. Um, I'm so glad that Notre Dame's got Georgia at Georgia so we can get them the fuck out of here. Yes, as soon as early, yeah. early, early and often. Cool. 
Those people. Yeah. I have a bad feeling about that game. I feel like there need to be, like, UN blue-helmeted, like, guards at that game to step in. Uh, the UGA about to get in that. Swift is going to, once he turns that corner, he's so fast. Um, man, that's going to be fun. That'll be a fun one. Um, Satin? Yes. Um, so I'll keep this short. On principle, I refuse to put two teams from the same conference in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, Clemson and Bama, of course. I think Oklahoma wins the Big 12 and gets in. Um, I think that's probably the case even if they lose to Texas in the conference championship as long as they beat them the first time and go undefeated otherwise. Wow, really? Um, I, well, yeah, because I'm assuming that Texas isn't going to show up uh, – 11 and one to the, you know, if they beat, anyway, I'm, I'm just, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I think Oklahoma rolls, frankly, um, regardless. And then, and I think, I think because of the, the incentives that, uh, the committee have, I think that the winner of the Michigan Ohio state game is probably the fourth team. As long as Um, they don't go to Morgan's, they don't lose to Scott Frost or somebody weird in the big, in the big team championship. I don't see that happening. Um, We'll see. I mean, I guess this is the first year, you know, Ohio State is doesn't look like a guaranteed playoff team. But um, I think I think both those teams are going to be in a position to make a push. And I think, especially if it's Michigan, if they beat Ohio State, like the draw, the pull on the committee to get them in is going to be massive. Um, and if Ohio State does what typically do, then you know they're going to be in because you know it's it's good for business. What what's it, when, when they lose and then bitch all and then bitch at the back end of the year about how they lost early in the year and how that loss didn't count. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I mean, believe okay. me, I'm like the last person on earth that will ever do oh, that. Oh, the, per- the Purdue loss and then when Iowa scored 63 points against them 2 years ago. Yeah. Man, I want Nebraska to be back so bad. Kind of like kind of like how like Frodo wants Sam to treat Gollum with dignity because he sees himself and like a, another person who's been poisoned by the ring. Like I, I need Nebraska to be back. Where are the black shirts at? Have they brought the black shirts back? Or are they still like that? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think they bring them back all the time and it just doesn't work. I will go in, in deeper on this at another time, but it's Sutton can actually see this in you, Charles, in terms of your, uh, love and appreciation for Thomas Brady, and then obviously also with uh, J- with JT's uh, infatuation for the best second place finisher in the Heisman Trophy race of all time, and Peyton Manning. Um, Two thousand six was seen as like respectful to Andrew Luck. because <laughs> he got second twice. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> It's not even way too soon on that because we just talked about it Monday. In fact, I'm Charles. also partial to Vince Young losing to Reggie Bush, but that's well, yeah, but y'all made up for that when it mattered. Oh, he didn't so, though, yeah. right? He did. Titans. Oh, but again, air quoting. Yeah. That was, yeah, okay. Fair well, enough. That was never given. Right? I, I have a random fact. I have actually held Reggie Bush's Heisman before. It's not his anymore. <laughs> I've actually held it. Before. That's but isn't it? Isn't it correct that USC is putting? Uh, mm-hmm. OJ's jersey in the stadium this weekend, mm-hmm. but not Reggie. <laughs> That's fantastic. He was acquitted, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he fit. He's oh, fantastic yeah. on Twitter, by the way. I cannot tell you guys enough. His videos make me laugh, but I don't know what's funnier, that or the, the comments afterwards. 
like how people make fun of like getting in some type of ch- it's really incredible. somebody you saw the one about uh, he drafted andrew luck like an hour before he retired yes and that's and right he's like somebody's like you can still cut him <laughs> <laughs> so. oh that's fantastic uh, reference to Peyton, uh, there are all these questions because the Colts had their best regular season ever on 05, went 14-2, and two, and it all came down to like, okay, it has to work this year, it has to work, and the Colts, like, it was just like, everybody just comes like, if not now, when? When are they actually going to break through? Like, when are they going to break through? And I see the similarities of, like, with this team, like, I, I was, like, looking at it, I'm like, oh my god, like, finally, like, Urban's not going to be there. Yeah, was he, I mean, Urban's Urban. He is what he is. He produces. He's probably the second best college football coach that we've been alive for. Um, but I just don't know if we can ever have a better chance of beating Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That's got to get us in. But however, the problem is, is going to Camp Randall and going to Penn State just suck. They're absolute horrible places to play football yep. games. And then you play Notre Dame. When you guys, SEC teams, are when they have their weird like family weekend games, of where you're, they're trying to get people to come back and actually visit games. Like we play Notre Dame in October, um, two weeks before, and like there's trap games. Weirdly enough, but like I just don't know when they're going to have a better chance because they have a better quarterback. Finally, they have a better offensive line. They have better skill positions at receiver, and like I'm, I got to think that they have a better coach. Ryan Day is still improving. We still don't know. Um, anyways, we know that Clemson what, is going. We know Alabama. What's well, the over under? Nine and a half. Okay. Nine and a half. Um. And it's sounds the right. yeah, that's exactly what I feel. It, it sounds right. It's the seventh seventh highest. Um, so if we took Memphis out of there, we took Boise State out, and in fact, guess who's our over under is the fifth highest? Army is has <laughs> Army's <laughs> Army's <laughs> win total. No, is, do not do this. Actually, yes, right it is. This is why Army win total is ten. Army's over under is ten, and of course, can you tell me who's on the or on their schedule? Couldn't couldn't tell you. They're in a, yeah. Did they play in, Coast Guard this year? No, I'll say that. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking it up. I'm looking it up. Merchant Marine. You know what there is? Yeah, Rice, Michigan. Are they in the Atlantic? Or not the no, Atlantic? No, no, uh, The American Conference. Are they in the American Conference now? Um, aren't they, are are, are they, they still AAC? independent? No. I think they're in the... Are they AAC? I think Navy joined AAC, but games. Army's independent. They got some easy games, though. They got Morgan State, um, UN, University of Texas, San Antonio. They start the season against Rice. Roadrunners. Uh, it's just North Texas, I'm thinking. Is that the mean green? No, it's yeah, Tulane. I got Tulane, my bad. Wrong no, North Texas is green, green. also. The, yeah, they're the mean we've, green. we've already named two schools who have denied me jobs, by the way. Wow. <laughs> Let's keep going. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got Western Kentucky, San Jose State, Air oh, Force, my. UMass, VMI has a football team? Oh, well. Yeah. These days, yeah. they're, they're giving our cadets uh, a trip to Hawaii for a game, so that's nice. Good for them. Yeah, they're scheduled. Their only their only game that like they're playing a decent team is the Michigan game, I believe. Yeah, before they play the the other yeah. service team. I rest my case. Yeah, their ten their ten wins is very doable. Yeah, and it's actually even money if you bet the under or the over. Which is crazy. the Roger Staubach, man. Good for them. They won <laughs> and they won ten games last year. I'm nervous about it. And they took Oklahoma in Norman, who never loses non-conference games at home at Norman, Oklahoma. It's like a crazy-ass number they have. But regardless, Clemson, Alabama, I am not on the two team from the same conference. I think the Pac-12 will be irrelevant by the first Saturday in November because there's yeah. no really great team there. 
they just all kind of mirror each other, and then they eventually beat each other twice, and then they blame the East Coast bias that we aren't one. Um, Because they're garbage games. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Can we really talk about East Coast bias when we haven't even mentioned the Pac-12? You know what? But why would we? What is what is the Pac-12? I'm just saying. (laughs) They're basketball. They're uniforms. Let me be. The Rose Bowl matters, though. The Rose Bowl matters. It should definitely be the national championship. The, the Pac-12 deserves an incredible amount of credit for one thing and one thing only, the sense to change the name of their conference when the number of teams changed, which <laughs> neither the Big Ten nor the Big 12 has been willing to do. Yeah, right. In defiance all of all logic. And so I will I will stand the, a legend in the, in the Pac-12 for making that move uh, ahead of its time. Otherwise, Look, they've had some great teams, man. Cade McNown back in the day. Danny Farmer, those were scary Lee, teams. Lee Corso picked Utah to win the Pac-12. It's we, we can't have a Lee discussion on here. Utah. We, we would get we would get in so much trouble. Uh, oh dear. The saying. if the Longhorn, you know what? It's this is my. I think they're going to college football playoff. I think it's Alabama, Clemson, Texas, and Michigan. The college football playoff this year. I like that. Interesting. That people out. Way to pander to the podcast, Mike. I'm just telling it, and you know what, and I'm just saying it, I've, I've thought about it a lot, and I think the, they're a big, that'll be a big night for you, and is October 26th, because you guys will play TCU, and we'll play Notre Dame, you guys have to go TCU, I think that may be your only, sl- maybe Iowa State, it depends if you guys just got it going on, um, even if you lose Iowa State, you can still beat Baylor, beat Texas Tech, and then beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 Championship, and I think then the Herbies, and Pilots of the world will be, especially because Longhorn Network is a subsidiary of ESPN, mm-hmm. they'll be pushing you guys. You um, could also watch us get destroyed by Alabama on CBS that weekend, just for the record. Get them, get your cigars ready. If you got them, smoke them. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I'm this. actually going to that game. Is that? Oh, the TCU game? No, I'll be at, I'm pretty sure I'll be at the Alabama Tennessee It'll be a third Saturday. Oh, oh man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at Mississippi State, so let's hope that one goes well. It will. I have that as one of the wins if we're going to bet money on the over, which I'm considering all $20. Small one unit on the over for Tennessee. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Not over the pod. Uh, so, yeah, there's my college football playoff predictions. Um, excited for people to get ready, get up this Saturday. Um, big, big, big week. Big, big weekend. Um, any predictions uh, for Florida State, Boise State, Charles? Um, Willie Taggart is immediately on the hot seat. That's the only prediction I have for that. <laughs> the, the ball kicked off. Oh, there's a site. Willie Taggart. Fire Willie Taggart. First, first three and out. First three and out. Fire Willie Taggart. <laughs> uh, I am also, I'm so intrigued because I think the, the Pac-12 actually could gain a lot of relevance this weekend if they beat Auburn. Uh, so, all, or like literally it's a one conference versus one team. That's right. That's exactly how I feel about it. Like their whole conference versus Auburn uh, this weekend. And then on Monday night. Right. Yeah, my SEC bias notwithstanding, like I'm fine with Auburn losing that just I because agree. you want them to be Yeah. Well, just I, no, just because like I, the shadden, the utter Schadenfreude that I have for watching their coaching hysteria is like that trumps everything for me. Like I'm I'm happy <laughs> for them to lose that game. I think West Virginia got a really good deal in getting Brown now because he would have been my first call once Melzahn's gone. Would have been my first call. Um, there's NFL teams that are apparently are saying that he's going to be an NFL coach one day. Um, so West Virginia. So I think you guys are all in good shape. Um, 
as Charles thinks I'm just pantrying to the podcast with the Texas Austin pick. Uh, I don't. I'm, I'm telling you, bud. I'm. It's. This is. This is the year of those teams getting back. It'll be fun. It'll be really fun. I, mean, I support you in your in your pick. I'm. I'm wholeheartedly for it. I will be singing all of my Texas songs if that happens. Fantastic, uh, fellas. Sutton, Jesse. We cannot wait to bring you guys back for when we're t- talking soccer. Uh, this will. This is really fun. Uh, anything you guys uh, want to be. I uh, want to just want to say thank you uh, to you guys uh, just running on and uh, let us know if there's uh, anything that we can get bring you guys back on when Jesse you were gonna be at the how should I say the crossroads in about three weeks and then uh, Sutton will bring you on right after talking about your family trip to Mizzou it'll be great sounds good man thanks for having me it's been a ton of fun great likewise appreciate it excellent Charles let everybody know where they can find the pod pretty every streaming service on earth. <laughs> Apple Music, Spotify, Google, everywhere else that it can go on, we're going to put it up there. Make sure you're checking us out on Twitter and Instagram, at CharlesLittle15. I, I like to think I'm a good follow. Who knows? I don't follow myself, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's possible to follow yourself, so we'll just go with that. But we appreciate it. Charles, uh, we'll make sure you guys get tagged uh, for promotion of this. As well as uh, or excuse me, Jesse, for you uh, to share with uh, your new class as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm a great follow for weird Brexit takes. Just if, <laughs> if, your other, if your other listeners are into that, tell my man to brush his hair. <laughs> this is a huge debate in the in the British media. Just FYI, like, does he brush it? Does he do it on purpose? Like, this is people oh, are he, like, he fucks it up right before, doesn't he? Totally, yeah, and this occupies so much real estate in people's heads. It's hilarious. Tell my man to brush his hair. He disarms him. <laughs> he disarms him with the hair. They don't think he's like up to anything because he looks like a fool. You nailed it. Wow. Yeah, he's slick. Man, there's clearly. This, well, I will say the tangents he's not and the the tangents and the references on this pod have been a one. <laughs> this has been a great. This is exactly the group that I was hoping. This is the great conversation that was had. Thank you all for following uh, Charles. Send them out for the week. Y'all be safe this weekend.